You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Indiana Pacers took on the Houston Rockets Wednesday afternoon in a performance neither team would like to remember. The Pacers took 100 shots but made just 40% of them from the field, while Houston did them one worse, shooting 37% from the field. For the Pacers, they were led by Miles Turner and Justin Holiday, who each scored 18 points apiece. Holiday made his money at the three-point line, going four of eight, and Turner at the free throw line, going eight of ten. Turner also finished with 12 rebounds, including seven offensive boards. Off the bench, the Pacers were led by Doug McDermott, who scored 16 points, including a perfect three for three from three. And Edmund Sumner, who sparked off the bench, helped lead the Pacers with 17 points to a 108-104 win over Houston. For Houston, their leading scorer was obviously James Harden, who scored 45 points on 12 of 14 on the line and 7 of 14 from three. The second leading scorer on the Rockets was Jeff Green, who scored 14 points off the bench for them. Both teams, though, this will be the last important pre-playoff game for either team in this bubble environment as both are locked into the 4-5 matchup. The Pacers clinched with this win, the 5 seed, and really technically have a shot at the 4 seed if they win Friday night, even though it does not matter with no home court advantage, but it will matter, I guess, who gets the uh, their music pumped in more. Welcome into the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm on the coast of this wonderful show. So on today's podcast, it's going to be pretty, pretty simple. I'm going to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Pacers' uh, 108-104 win. And then I want to talk about Victor Lodipo uh, and his performance tonight, his performance in this bubble, and uh, some concerns, I guess, some thoughts, whatever we want to call them, about him. Tomorrow, Tony and I will break down the McMillan extension, which was a big deal, I think, for the Pacers, and just because it's kind of the tone going forward. And it got some supporting tweets from players. And then we'll talk about the seeding 4-5 matchup do a slight preview, but probably do a bigger preview heading into the weekend when we finally know when the game will be scheduled. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I think it's fair to categorize this Pacer game as sloppy uh, at a minimum. It was just not a great game overall, right? They're just. Um, it was weird. You know, both teams were without key players, but the Pacers started off not playing Barton and Warren, uh, which is. You know, they're arguably their two best players right now. I mean, I, I would probably leave up there as, as a top two yet right now. And obviously the Rockets didn't have Westbrook, who has a more serious injury, it sounds like, uh, than, you know, he, he was, we already knew he wasn't going to play, he was going to rest. Um, and really nobody on the Rockets besides Harden played that well. I mean, you're looking at lineups of, you know, Tucker shot one of four from three and left with an injury. Eric, Eric Gordon shot one of nine. Ben Malcolmore, two of eight. Covington, three of eight. Um, overall, the team made just 16 of 57 threes. A lot of three takes, but they just they just weren't very good tonight. I mean, if, 
Harden basically had a will to this win, and he just, I don't think, had it or cared to, right? I mean, Houston really isn't playing for much. I guess they were sort of playing with a three seed, but they were still out of reach. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of that, like, the seeding really matters, especially in these where there's no home court, right? At some point, you got to go through both L.A. teams. So, like, does it matter if you're the three or you're the four seed? You're going to play, you know, your Thunder or Jazz, who are probably, to me, on the kind of the same level as, of a team. Now, Houston, if Russell Westbrook is hurt, that's going to be more concerning for them. But uh, that's a problem for them for another day. But just overall, the shooting was bad tonight. Um it just wasn't it like wasn't a ton of flow from either team because it was kind of weird lineups for both teams, uh, as we saw for the Pacers especially. I mean, you know, all their starters were a minus, right? So uh, Aaron Holiday was a minus fifteen, Miles Turner a minus thirteen, Sampson a minus nine, and Justin Holiday minus two on the bench. Everybody was a huge plus, but the starters wise, Oladipo was a minus seven. Also, um, the starters just kind of got blown out in that, especially that first quarter they got kind of crushed and really got, they got crushed in that, in that early part of the third quarter too. I mean, they just, um, we're not very good now. It's not a normal, right? There's two non-starters in that lineup and uh, that definitely throws things off. Aaron Holiday had a really, really bad night. I mean, that was just the worst game of his bubble and, you know, hopefully this is the last time he has a terrible game, but he wasn't great against Miami and he's been pretty good in this bubble enough where I thought he's been kind of a key part of the kind of, 4-0 start to this to this bubble environment. So it's interesting to see how bad he played, especially because um, he really shouldn't have that much trouble. I mean, I, I know they've got some bigger guys they play, right? So they got Malcolm Moore Covington, but he really wasn't guarded by any of them. He just didn't really have a very good night. Um, Turner had a, put together a good night. I mean, a lot of good offensive boards. He had the easy matchup win. Uh, and they, he, to be honest, should have exploited it more. Like, this is the kind of night where Turner could have had, like, easily had 30 points. I mean... He had four or five shots where he should have dunked or he missed a layup here or there on a foul. Like, he could easily have 30 points, but he had a good night. I mean, seven offensive boards is really solid for him. Um, but, you know, it's always the tantalizing of the kind of what if he could have could have had. The only two players who I thought, like, really kind of encouraged me in the most sense that, like, I didn't expect or we're going to need them in the playoffs as Pacers are going to need him is Holiday and McDermott both kind of turned the corner in that three-point shooting. Holiday shot 50%. McDermott shot 100%. Both scored, you know, McDermott scored 16. Holiday scored 18. They both, to me, finally put their shooting together so they hadn't really done this whole bubble, which is really encouraging, right? If they can, like, the thing with the Pacers in the playoffs, and that's the problem against Miami, is if, if Holiday and McDermott are, can shoot a little better and provide, you know, there were a couple of opportunities where both of them could have hit a big three in the Miami game in that third quarter that would have kind of flipped momentum back and they missed them, right? I know the Pacers lost by 20, but there were times where if the bench pushed a little better at the end of the third quarter, they remain in the game and have a shot. So those two, uh, that was the encouraging sentiment to me that both two kind of looked looked solid. I mean, I, I thought they put up, they were probably, without their sophomore, the Pacers would easily lose this game. Um, but, I mean, by far, I mean, if we're talking about MVP of this game, it was Evan Summer. I mean, he was 6'11 for 17 points. He uh, gave him the green light basically to beat a guy off the dribble. If he could beat a guy, go one-on-one and try to score. Got fouled a bunch. Um, a lot of high energy, right? He just, he was huge with that bench. I mean, he was a plus 13. Him and McConnell basically, I think, played every minute together. Him and McConnell McDermott, and they were, as a unit, I think, plus 19 and plus 18. So, um, McConnell's plus 19, McDermott plus 18. 18 on the court. I know plus minus, I think great, but it really what it showed is when they were on the court, they were successful. They also exploited a really bad bench unit that was already depleted, right? I mean, you had like Austin Rivers, Damari Carroll playing minutes. I mean, they just, I mean, Rivers usually plays minutes, but they just, Houston didn't really have like a, like a cohesive bench lineup because they don't have Westbrook out there kind of to steady it the way they usually stagger hard in Westbrook. will have one on the court at all times. So, I mean, it was just, 
it was a fortunate effort for the Pacers, right? To pull this win out is pretty fortunate. I mean, I thought, it, you know, at one point they were trailing by 10 points, I want to say, or something like that. And able to cut it down, take a lead at some point, uh, in only second second half. And you really thought, you know, if Harden goes off at some point, they're going to lose. And he got pretty hot in the last couple of minutes, but they had a big enough lead where it didn't matter. But um, in terms of, like, good, bad, and ugly, I mean, it, it was an ugly night all around. There were some good highlights, right? Um you know, from those guys, Gogo, I thought actually looked okay. He wasn't great, great, but um, getting his legs under him at least a little bit. I mean, Goga, to me, Goga is going to be important because I think at some point, Samson, who had an okay night, three of three for nine points, um, is going to be exploited when he's on the court, especially with bench units, especially with well-coached teams. Like, the Heat are going to exploit him, and there might be an opportunity to just try to play a true center, right? Cause they, they, they need a rim protector of some kind, especially against the Heat, um, where... If they don't, if they don't have somebody back there to kind of protect the lobs, they're gonna get crushed. I mean, that was that was the biggest thing. The lobs just killed them over and over and over again in that Heat game. So we'll see if um, he gets some playoff minutes. But he, to me, he's playing better than he has in the past. Let's put it that way. Um, he's not like to me this whole bubble thing too. And I don't know if it's just because every team's playing ten guys, but. Um, some, like there's not the same liability issues in the playoffs now. I wonder if when we get to the playoffs, we'll see an eight eight man, seven man lineup or seven man rotations kind of shrink immediately. Uh, in the actually the Pacers, the problem they don't really want to play the stars as much because you're already seeing a lot of injuries with the starters and whatnot. And I think a lot of these teams are more beat up because they are playing so many games, so many days. Right? I don't think they're like the ton of long term injuries, but you see guys kind of getting hurt. You know, you have Warren with plantar fasciitis, you got Brogdon with the neck thing. Um, and I forget what it was tonight to be honest. I don't know if it was a different injury. Uh, but you just you don't you see little things flare up and I think in a playoff moment you know push comes to so they're gonna push themselves but um, you know the Pacers could shrink I think if they really had eight an eight man lineup but they really have no way to play a center so they have to go nine right if they if they had some bonus they could, they could easily play eight and just play uh, well they probably still want to play nine right right that was kind of the plan all along right McDermott McConnell Holiday and Sabonis that's kind of the bench unit um, so they probably still have to play nine guys but there was a to me, there's an interesting opportunity here um, where once the playoffs are going up, they just go super small or they suddenly want to flip Gogo for Samson. Like, that is going to be an interesting opportunity to look at. And Gogo's getting his his legs under him and looks like he could put up, you know, maybe a decent 10 minutes. And switch. But in a playoff game, that could be huge, right? Just keeping the lead or keeping the game close letting the stars come back in. Um, I imagine because of uh, the clinching that we're not going to see TJ Warren into the playoffs, same with Brogdon. It makes sense. I mean, the playoffs start Monday or Tuesday. Why not get the guys four or five days off? Not like they're out of flow or anything. I imagine we probably won't even see that many guys play on um, Friday. I mean, we might not see Vic play. I wonder if we see Turner sit. I wonder if we just see, like, a starting lineup of, like, Nazmi, Drew Long, TJ Leaf, Brian Bowen, and something else. You know, some crazy starting lineup Friday. But um, that machine to see what happens with that. I mean, I guess it'd be cool if they got the four seed because they've been the five seed for, what, three straight years now. So if they could beat the Heat and get the force, that'd be nice. And it'd be nice to see some Pacers-themed uh, stuff around the court for fans. But uh, it's not worth playing guys who you need to rest for the playoffs. And I imagine the Heat are going to rest their guys, too. I, mean, I don't think the Heat are going to be playing all their guys a ton of minutes, either. So it'll be a battle of, like, the 9 through 12 guys on these rosters. Um, really, that was kind of all I got from the game. I mean, not trying to take away from it. I mean, I, I've been avoiding one key player who I want to talk about next, Fitzgerald Depot. I mean, he is the only... Thing I think is worth talking about to an extent of uh, like a deep extent. So let's do a quick break, and then I want to discuss Victor Oladipo and just the way he's looked as a player so far in this bubble. So coming into this game, Vic actually didn't have the worst. Was it five bubble games? Kind of resume, maybe six. No, I think it's five. Right. Um, 
Like, he wasn't terrible, right? So coming into tonight, he was shooting 46% from the field, 44 from three, averaging 16 points, uh, and five rebounds, two and a half assists per game, right? Um, was about an even when he's on the court, but, like, those are respectable shoot numbers, three-point shots, respectable number. Um, wasn't taking a ton of shots, but, like, he wasn't needed to because of the way, the way Warren was playing. And obviously, tonight, he was just going to take a ton of shots because he had the green light because, like, first of all, the Patriots didn't really care. I think they thought no matter win or loss, they were going to clinch the five seed, which they're right. Uh, Toronto beat Philly by four, so it didn't really matter. And I think he just was kind of like, everybody said, you're the best offensive player out there. He, you're your only option. Just you have to green that to kind of do what you can. If Take a ton of shots, and hopefully you shoot well. And, you know, tonight he shot 7 of 26, 2 of 12 from three, and scored 16 points. I mean, of course, to score less than one point per shot is pretty freaking terrible. Uh, let's be real. I think Warren took 26 shots one time, made 15 of them for 53 points, I want to say. Uh, if that makes sense. If they didn't get to the line once tonight, I mean, um, his handle is completely off. I, I, I don't know if it's... He doesn't have control, like his, like subconsciously has to think about his feet more than his ball handling, and it's causing him to get swiped a bunch. Because I mean, he is getting, I mean, you watch him in that lane, and everybody's just swiping the ball out of him. I don't know if he's being careful with it. I, don't, I, you know, it's probably a combination of those, but it seems like he's so worried about his movements that he's kind of being lazy with the ball. And he had, you know, five turnovers tonight. Um, in the previous games, he's averaging three turnovers. I mean, against Miami, he actually didn't. He didn't have, or he had four turnovers against Miami. He had six against. The Lakers, I mean, those were just bad games. And those were really the first two games where he had the ball in his hands more than the previous ones. You know, the previous three, really, he wasn't kind of becoming a main ball handler. But um, you've seen it now for about three games. He's averaging, I guess, about five turnovers a game in those last three games. I mean, he just, he's not quite there. Now, I think as a third option or a second option or, a, you know, a place to be okay, he's got to play a little better. He's got to, he cannot shoot two of 12 from three. He's got to shoot closer to 40, 50%. But I, I think, you know, he, most ways he's not going to take 26 shots, right? I think his shot total will be somewhere between 12 and 15, maybe 18 on the high end, which if he can get into a, you know, where he was before last game, that's not bad. And um, it doesn't have to be good for seven games. It just have to be good for four games with the right four with TJ Warren and Brogdon. Um, but he definitely is not the same player for injury right now. I mean, I, I think he might be able to get there and he um, shows some burst, right? He's still getting the rim a little bit, but he's not, he's not getting the same contact. He's just... He's not quite getting the same finish around the rim the way he was pre-injury where he could just basically fly at the rim and score. And and um, I wonder, I mean, you know, if it's if it's a, a like a fear thing, if it's just like he doesn't quite have his legs under him kind of thing. But, I mean, I think these games will be good for him in the sense that hopefully it'll help him next year going in. But uh, if I'm the patient to watching these eight games, just thinking forward, I mean, I'm not giving him a – I mean, I would be wearied off from a four-year hundred – Whatever they can offer him, I think thirty million dollars. I guess they offer one hundred twenty-five with current contracts. So it's about a hundred and six to one hundred ten million dollar contract extension. I'd be weary of doing that right now because I'm just not really sure that he's like um, the answer. Now, granted, I don't think you want to lose him for nothing. Uh, so, like, you you want to resign him or at least try to trade him, but like, I don't. I mean, I don't think we're there yet, right? I think we still want to see him for probably a solid forty Ravens games before we make any huge huge judgments because you know this is just a small sample size still. And he looks like okay, right? He's getting there. Like, you got to let him build, right? Like, if and if he plays forty more games and he's the same way, then you can kind of say that's definitive. But let him build on that, right? He's played, let's be real, like six real games right before this. He wasn't really playing like a consistent amount of minutes. Now he's playing like 37 minutes tonight he played. So like now he's really coming like a, he's in the, he's in a real situation, right? He's no longer just kind of like the, the, the limited Vic. He's supposed to be under a minute restriction, but he's not, that's not been a thing. Let's be real. He's played 35, 37. He played 35 against 
Um, L.A. He's played. He played thirty, almost thirty-two against Phoenix. I mean, he's had a restriction, but it's a it's a minimal restriction in terms of like if they need to play him more, they will have to push for the win. So um, I think the test will be in the playoffs, and I I do think as kind of like the way we saw against the Lakers, especially if he's more of the 2B option behind Brogdon, it's pretty good right now. Now, granted, hopefully for them to be good in the future, he has to be more of a 2, a 2 to 1B option, even maybe 1A. But um, if Warren can, if they could figure out how to get Warren a ton of good looks, they, they have to just figure out how to, you know, play Warren all deeper together um, against the Heat in a way like, you know, put the ball both their hands or set maybe pick and rolls with each other or something like that just to get something because um, he was, he, he, did, he was the... Um, he had the best offensive opportunities of any of the Pacer players, at least I thought, on a Monday's game against the Heat. So, um, you know, tonight was just a bad night. He shot really bad, but across the board, everybody played bad. I thought across both teams, like I said, I mean, Harden, Harden, who finished forty-five, had a really good night, but I mean, besides him, it was pretty much a bunch of kind of iffy nights. The Pacers kind of pulled this one out of their ass, basically. You know, they um, made some McDermott threes, some McConnell energy moments, kind of pushed them and. Sumner had a nice night, but like, it wasn't a very good Pacer game, and the, you know, I think Vic probably gonna just kind of ignore this one, move on. When yeah, we put up the starters, I don't think he's gonna play Friday. I, I had a guess if he doesn't play minimal amount of minutes. I mean, he's just been playing a lot and whatnot, but um, you know, he's he's coming up on some big times, right? If if, if they if he plays terrible in the playoffs and they lose the first round playoff series, that's gonna put a lot of pressure on him next year. If he plays okay enough and to win the first round series against the Heat, that's gonna do a, a huge for his kind of going forward, but um. So far, I guess I'm going to say I haven't seen signs of him as, like, the 27-18 Vic, but I have seen signs that he's getting closer, right? He's not, like, he is getting, or honestly providing different skills with each game. His handle's still a little off. His explosion on the rim's a little off. But he's not been, like, so terrible where it's like, oh, he couldn't get there. It's just he needs more time, it feels like. And thankfully for him, really, I mean, these this, this you know, 8-15 to 15 to 20 game stretch that he's going to play are really about um, figuring it out, right? It's not necessarily about, like, he has to hit a certain level to win the championship, right? It's about can they maybe get a first-run series, can he kind of get his legs under him, understand what he needs to work on this offseason to get even better and to get back to his level. Because if he gets back to his 27-18 level, combine that with Warren, with Brogdon, and Sabonis, because I think after the way Turner's played, you're thinking Sabonis really should be the five. Now, I think, I think... This has shown that you got to play. You really are better off playing a much smaller than the two center lineups. So I think, but I think it also shows that maybe puts the bones in the Turner spot and you have a ton of success. Um, but if you add right with what we've seen with Warren, Brogdon a consistently healthy plus the bonus plus Vic at that level. I mean, those four guys constitute what four of the top maybe fifty players in the league, maybe sixty five range. Um, you know, that's two all stars right there plus two guys who the way they play could be all stars. Uh, and there's a real possibility of that flourishing next season. So. Um, it's just can he get to like the level where he, where he feels like he can get back to that he has to still improve, right? I mean, the thing he has to kind of do realize is he was on a trajectory because he kept improving. Well, now he got knocked off at wrong. He's got to improve back to that rung and then keep going forward to basically become kind of, uh, I think, the superstar he wants to be. I mean, really, everybody in Indiana is rooting for him to be because I think, you know, Vic is the kind of superstar as a Pacer fan that you want. He's an Indiana guy from, I mean, went to I. IU has embraced living in this city isn't really a huge diva the way uh, some other Pacers superstars were or kind of um, felt like he just kind of didn't want to be here or felt like he was more of a big shot than he was like Vic is a pretty um, likable superstar and I think Pacers fans want him to be great they're just concerned right now because he just hasn't looked that way yet um, 
That's all I got for this Locked On Pacers podcast. As always, you can follow us at Locked On Pacers and me at Madam 5 My co-host Tony said T-East NBA. Um, so like I said, tomorrow Tony, actually be, Tony and I will be back together actually doing a podcast on the McMillan, the seating, and a few other things. Heading into uh, a Friday with the Pacers taking on the Heat. Meaningless game, but, you know, the Pacers win. They'll be a four seed for the first time. Uh, first time they'll be a top four seed. You know, the goal was to have home court in the first round uh, going into the season, so... If they win that game, they'll have home court. Not that it really will matter, but uh, I should just see if they do. I doubt. I have a feeling they're just going to lose it just because, and they'll be the five seed for three straight years. But it'd be interesting. If they can get to the four seed, it'd be kind of funny. Especially when you take a bigger step out, right? You look at like the last, like when you look at this season twenty years from now to see the Pacers as a four seed will somehow mean something different. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we'll still remember that being the four or five didn't even matter one bit in this whole playoffs. Really, being any of the seeds doesn't matter. I mean, I think. What this whole uh, bubble has done is it's basically said seeding doesn't matter. I mean, matchups kind of do, but you're going to have to go through the best teams anyway. So who cares when you play them? Just play them and you know, play them on a home court. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah, so that's all I got. Lots on Pages Podcasts, as always. Uh, we bring you five podcasts a week, so look forward to our fifth podcast this week. And, of course, we'll be back on Monday of next week with our weekly show. Uh, that's all I got. And hopefully you guys have a good rest of your day and week. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.